Do y'all remember in Hee Haw? I have your attention now, don't don't I? Y'all remember in Hee Haw when uh, was it? Uh, oh man, what was her? Minnie Pearl. When when the the band would stop, what was the thing she'd say? We're through playing now. Sorry. I just thought about that on the way up here, and I figured y'all would enjoy that, but I guess I was wrong. No, 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 no. That's when the sermon happens. <laughs> Good to see you today. I'm trying to look at each one of you, because, man, I always look forward to standing right here on Sunday mornings and looking at your smiling faces. Um it's always good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see familiar faces. Good to see you, Bree. Um, just love worshiping with you. We, I, I'm kind of going off the script, so, and I know y'all know how to read this. I will point out one thing, though, from it, but, I mean, before I forget what I'm saying. You know, the other night <clears throat> at homecoming, I was down on the field with Sydney and Stephanie, and, and I had a bird's eye view of looking up into the stands. And I just looked around with the biggest smile on my face. Man, don't, hasn't the Lord blessed us with just a great place to live? Amen. And great people to live, to enjoy this town with. And I'm just so thankful for each and every one of you. Well, welcome to worship. And I'm glad that you chose to be here in the house of the Lord today and to worship together. Um, and that's what, indeed, we are here to do. And in just a moment, when I stop rambling, we're going to let James... And the band lead us uh, to the throne of grace. I do want to point out one thing uh, in the bulletin. Um, our next business meeting, October business meeting, will be next Sunday night. It'll be at 6.30 p.m. Um, and if you want to avail yourself of it, you can look at the, the agenda for the meeting. It's already posted out there. And if there's anything you need to get on the agenda, if you'll just touch base with me before... Wednesday, then we'll get that updated, and we'll get you on the agenda. Uh, before we turn to the call of worship, is there any other announcements or anything that anyone needs to, to say before we get going? Well, all righty then. I want to read Psalm 146. <clears throat> we don't know who wrote this from a human standpoint. It doesn't have an author listed there. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, and the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. 
Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for what this psalm tells us about you. You are praiseworthy, Lord. You are one in whom all of our trust should rest. You are our our help, our hope. You are our creator. You are the one who established justice and works justice. You're a friend of those who struggle in various places, whatever circumstance they find themselves in in life. You are near to those who call on you. Lord, if there are any here today who their eyes are blind, I pray that you would open them. If they are bowed down under cares and concerns, I pray that you would lift them up. Lord, for those that things seem to be going well, I pray that they would know your love. Lord, thank you for upholding the widow and the fatherless. And we do praise you, God, that even though we may not see it all of the time, you do bring the way of the wicked to ruin. And Lord, we do know that you reign forever and that you are worthy of all praise. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Let's stand and worship.
right, if the children will come forward, please. to garden. But what's the difference between these two things I have in my hand? That's a lot. And that's sticks. Yes. How do they look different? Tyson? Yeah, it's got some flowers on it. Which one do we like better? Yeah, it looks pretty, right? It's alive. Um, so in the book of Jeremiah, God compares people to these two, he uses tree branches, but I like these because I have flowers. Um, but God compares people to these two branches. He says, uh, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the deserts and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So a person who trusts the world and its promises will be dry and brittle like this one. He will find it hard to see good things in his life. He will worry about everything. Does that sound very fun? The person who trusts in God and his promises will be like this one. He will see clearly the blessings that God gives him. He will not worry or be afraid because he trusts that God will take care of him. We have to place our trust in God. So we're like this one. We have to trust him no matter what. The world changes all around us, but God stays the same. So when we put our trust in him, this is what we're going to be like. We will blossom. We will bear fruit. Something cool about these flowers is that whenever they fall off, then a seed pod comes out. And then it spreads, and more of these will grow. This is called a four o'clock. And they will grow and grow and grow. They spread. I love these, but some people don't because they spread so much, sometimes where you don't want them. <laughs> but that's kind of how we are as Christians. Whenever we trust God, we just spread his love everywhere, even sometimes when people don't want to hear it. But we have to keep doing it because we have to put our trust in God, and we hope that other people do too. So let's pray. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you for these children. Thank you for our community and um, the good health that you've given most of us. And we pray for those who are sick today, God, that you would um, heal them. I pray that in this world of ever-changing um, problems and, and stressors, that these children and their families will be able to put their full trust in you, God, and just cast all their worries and anxieties on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
God is a big enough Savior to save us all. Father, we come before you just thanking you for our salvation. And thank you for being a God who because of your glory chose to save us through your Son. Be glorified in us this morning. said over and over salvation happens from the top down we need you this morning Father we are hopeless and destitute apart from Jesus Christ speak to our hearts till the soil of our hearts make our hearts bloom forth like a tree planted by the water We praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ alone we pray.
you would please take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the book of John, John chapter 15. We'll be looking at the first five verses. I could probably speak, could consider more of, the, of this section of John. These first, first five verses will suffice for us to talk about being united with Christ. In this sermon series that we're in called Getting Saved, we've been talking about um, what does it mean when a person is saved. We've talked about justification and sanctification. We haven't talked about sanctification yet. We've talked about being reconciled, adopted, um, on and on. There's so many things that, that we can think about. When someone asks, are you saved? You can say, well, yes, I know I'm saved. I've been reconciled. I've been adopted. Um, I've been justified. I've been given the righteousness of Christ, on and on and on. Uh, but this morning, we're going to consider one of the key doctrines about salvation is the fact that those who have been redeemed, who have been justified, are united with Christ. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? This is John 15, 1 through 5. And this is God's Word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let us pray. Father, these are tremendous truths here, spoken by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. What a beautiful metaphor to help us to understand how closely knit we are, how closely connected in union we are with our Savior. Remind us again, Lord, of how vital that union is. For apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And remind us, Lord, that you are the vine dresser, that you are the one who prunes and cleans so that there might be more God-honoring, God-glorifying fruit-bearing. And I pray, God, that you would prune us and clean us, that we might bear fruit for you and bring you glory and honor. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 1 Samuel 18 records, I'm paraphrasing, but it records these words. And it it describes something that happened between Jonathan and David. And it says that the soul of David was knit to the soul of Jonathan. Now, at our wedding, a friend of mine, Barry Nelson, I'd asked him to, to pick any verse he would like to read at our, at our uh, wedding. And that's what he chose. And he paraphrased. Uh, he said, And the soul of Shannon was knit to the soul of Stephanie. And that's what you, being united with Christ is like. 
Um, you know, sadly, I, I believe if you look at the Baptist faith and message, which is our, um, our statement of faith that our church subscribes to, you won't find anything in there that talks about union with Christ. In fact, I looked at a number of other confessions, uh, statements of faith, and, and it's just not something that's talked about. You'll find a section about the church, about um, the church in regard to the state. You'll find uh, about um, things about God, things about Christ, things about the Holy Spirit, things about salvation. But you don't find a section on union with Christ. But I subscribe to, I, I, I submit to you that this is a crucial doctrine. It's not just a subsidiary doctrine. We can think of it like this. I was listening to Dr. Sinclair Ferguson. He had a series of, of lectures on union with Christ. And he said, he said, I don't know this for sure, but I've heard that if you watch The Godfather, you will never hear the word mafia in it. However, the entire film and series of films is about the mafia. So even though it, this may seem like a subsidiary doctrine, I think after we look at the scriptures today, particularly John, but then also in Paul, we'll discover this is no subsidiary doctrine. This is no lower level doctrine. We might even say this, this is the sum total of the application of all the doctrine that we know. The things that we know ought to draw us into closer communion and union with Christ. So this morning, the task before us is to find out what, what is meant by union with Christ and how can we think about it? Why should we desire it? And so to that, we turn our attention. The first point I want to make, uh, I think we ought to start with union with Christ defined. When we say union with Christ, what are we actually talking about? <clears throat> There's a very simple definition um, that can be fleshed out for days and days and days. But we, we're short on time, so we will just turn our attention to, to John. Union in Christ, union with Christ, simply defined means being in Christ. You notice again in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. And he says in verse 5, Whoever abides in me and I in him. Think of it like this. I've never seen one, but I've seen pictures of one. Wreckage on the floor of the ocean. Maybe it's a pirate ship, a sailing ship of some sort. Now the boat is in the water, but the water is also in the boat. We are in Christ as Christians, and Christ is in us as Christians. That's very simply what union with Christ means. We are in Christ, in him and he in us. Jesus talks about the union that we have with him in other places. Also, Paul will do the same. If you look in Matthew 10 verse 40, Jesus seems to imply that the union that we have with him, whoever receives you receives me because I am united with you. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. You may have never put two and two together here, <clears throat> but this is when Saul, before he became uh, Paul, 
This is his conversion experience. And he's been persecuting Christians. Jesus has already ascended to the Father. But notice what Jesus says. Okay? So it says, In falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus was already ascended to the Father. But yet Jesus said, Saul, you are persecuting me. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. There is a union between Christ and his people. Romans 6, verses 3 through 5. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Just that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We were baptized into Christ. Paul says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So you can already see some of the benefits of being united with Christ. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says in Colossians 3, 3 and 4, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears because you are united with him, you also will appear with him in glory. Union with Christ basically means being in Christ. And even though we may not be able to point to, to many, many verses where we find the words united with Christ, we can see that this is no lower level doctrine. We look, we, and I submit to you that after we talk about this today, after the, the, the scriptures expounded, you'll notice this in more places as you begin to read the Bible on your own. So union with Christ defined. Now let's think about union with Christ described. In other words, we want to define it, and then we want to ask the question, well, what is it like? And Jesus gives us a great example here. What is union with Christ like? It's like a vine and the branches that are connected to that vine. We see that in today's passage in John 15. But it's also described in the scriptures as the relationship between a foundation and a building. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 2, 19-22. Peter also talks about it. In 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8, how Christians are like living stones being set on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And apart from that foundation, the building will not survive. There's also the metaphor of husband and wife. Union with Christ is like the soul of Stephanie being knit to the soul of Shannon. Apply that in your own context if you're married. If you're not married, then you do have a way to think about how you are in union with Christ. It is as if Christ is our heavenly husband and we are his bride. Paul talks about this 
in Ephesians 4, 15, and 16 when he talks about husband and wife coming together as one. He said it's a mystery, but in the mystery he's talking about is that this describes Christ in the church. Another way to think about it is to think about it in terms of head and members. Now, there are two ways in the Bible that we think about this. The first is, as Paul described um, in Ephesians 4, 15, and 16, about Christ is the head and we are all members of his body. And and that's mentioned in other places as well. Jesus Christ is the head. We are his body. We are members of his body. But then also... You can think of headship and membership in terms of covenant. Remember we talked about one of the first weeks in, in, uh, in how we got lost is that Adam sinned and therefore we all sinned because we are in Adam. He is our covenant representative. He's the head. And so it also applies to Noah. Y'all realize that we are under the Noahic covenant today because God has threatened no promise that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood. So because we are, we can trace our line all the way back to Noah, we are a part of that covenant. The Jews were a part of Abraham's line. But then also Paul tells us in Galatians that the true sons and daughters of Abraham are the ones who believed, who had the belief that Abraham had before he was ever circumcised, before the law ever came. We also think about David. Christ was the son of David. He was under the Davidic covenant. And Christ is the head of the new covenant. And we are members of that covenant through him. So we can describe union with Christ in this way. You might think, okay, you've told me what it's like. But what is it? I understand it's like a vine and branches. It's like a husband and wife. It's like a building and its foundation. It's like a head and the members of the body. It's like those things. But but what is it? Well, we can say that union with Christ, if we were to describe it, we we would first of all say it is a spiritual relationship. It's a spiritual relationship because Christ is ascended. And when we come to him through faith, and we are united with him, the Holy Spirit is given to us. We are baptized with the Holy Spirit. We are baptized into Christ. And it is a spiritual relationship because Christ is not here in front of us. His body is here, but Christ is not here with us. And so any talk of a relationship with Jesus Christ has to start first on the spiritual level. Because that's where it is until the day when we will see him face to face. It's also a real relationship. Now, what I mean by that is people can think about a relationship with Jesus spiritually to the point where it's all just kind of out there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it exists somewhere that that I can't see. That's true. That doesn't discount that relationship at all. That relationship is as real as the relationship between a vine and its branches. It's that real. It's as real as the relationship between a husband and a wife. It is that real. Just because we say it's spiritual doesn't mean that we don't 
mean that it is a real relationship. It is a real spiritual relationship. It's also organic. I'm going to turn back to to John. He says in verse 2, this is Jesus. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Verse 4, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The point here when we say organic, I mean to indicate that it's life-giving. You notice that when the branch doesn't bear fruit, it's taken away. Obviously, it's a branch that has no life in it. But if it is connected vitally to the vine, then it is going to have life in it, and it is going to bear fruit. Finally, we could describe it as vital. Vital. Why would we say it's vital? Because of what Jesus says in verse 4. He says, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you Unless you abide in me. And he says in verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anything of any sort of substance and eternal value and significance is going to happen in your life and in my life, it will be because of the vital, organic, life-giving, very real spiritual relationship that we have being in union with Jesus Christ. And on the flip side, if there is no fruit, if the branch dries up and it's cut off, it's because the person is apart from Christ, does not abide in Christ. Now, as we think about union with Christ defined and described, I've I've said it's like the vine and the branches. It's like a a foundation in a building. Uh, But I want to stop and make sure that we understand something. It is not like the union in in the triune Godhead. You know, we, we serve one God in three persons. One God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Father is God, but He is not the Son or the Holy Spirit. The Son is God, but He is not the Father or the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God, but He is not the Father or the Son. One God, three persons. They share the same essence. Our union is not like that. The branches are not divine. The building is not the foundation. The members are not the head. It just is a way to think about the relationship. Next, I want to talk about union with Christ desired. In other words, why should we desire to have this particular type of union with Christ? Why should we want to be in union with Christ? Another way to ask it is, what are the benefits of the covenantal relationship that we are in with Jesus Christ? What are the benefits? Because, you know, if you think about in the Old Testament where God was making covenants with his people, he laid out all the benefits that he would, 
he would, things that he would do for them when they entered into the promised land. He said, I'm going to drive out your enemies before you. You're going to have a land that you, you didn't earn on your own. I'm, I'm giving you this gift. And he's telling them all of this while they're at Sinai. These are the things that I'm going to do for you. These are the benefits of being in covenant with me. So what benefits do we derive from being in Christ? Why should we want them? Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. It says he chose us in him. We were chosen in him. We are blessed in him. Paul says in Romans 6, 5, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall be certainly united with him in a resurrection like his. We are united to Christ in his death and resurrection. When he died, if we are in union with him, we died. When he was resurrected, then we were resurrected. Colossians 3, 3 and 4. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, where is Christ at this point? He is at the right hand of the Father, exalted to the right hand of the Father. So where are we hidden with Christ? In his exaltation at the right hand of the Father. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We are united with Christ in his exaltation. We will be united with Christ in his return. So we can think death, uh, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, exaltation of Christ, the return of Christ, the entire work of redemption done in Christ and is ours in Christ. Not only that, Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are a new creation in Christ in our union with him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 16. For since we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That's 14, and this is 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound <clears throat> of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. When I stood before Mark Kemp and my uncle, James Bond. Yes, he was called James Bond. I told Stephanie, till death do us part. And that union can only be rightly severed in death. But do you know that death cannot sever the relationship between Christ and his people? Paul says... I'm convinced that neither death nor life, and he goes on this long list, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
when you and I breathe our final breath, we will go from those who can be considered alive in Christ in this world to those who are dead physically in Christ. And when Christ appears, we will appear with him. The dead in Christ will rise first. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So do you see a theme here? It, it reminds me of that lyric in, in, in Christ alone. From life's first cry to a final death, Jesus commands my destiny. There's nothing that can separate us from Christ and think about the future. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be, because of our union with him, glorified with him. So from chosen before the foundation of the world to glorified and everything in between, those are our benefits in Christ Jesus, through our union with him. Now, I want you to stop and think here for a moment. These all, all of these benefits that I just mentioned, they are all passively received, right? Do we do any, is there, do we really have any part in those things? We don't have any part in being chosen. We don't have any part of being uh, resurrected in Christ. We, we don't have any real role in those things. Those are things that we active or passively receive. But we actively, or I'm sorry, we passively receive those so that they may actively result in bearing fruit. Do you get the point here in John 5, 15, 1 through 5? That there is a point to being in the vine. It's to display the life of the vine through bearing fruit. So how does that apply to us? We have new life in Christ. And God gives us what we need to bear fruit in that life. We were buried, therefore, Paul says in Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Dead people don't just come back to life, right? They don't just pop up. That very same power that raised Christ from the dead by the glory of the Father is ours so that we might walk in newness of life. That's when we're connected to the vine. That's when the God-glorifying, life-giving work happens and we begin to walk in newness of life. We are given the power, as John said, as Jesus says in John, to bear the fruit the Father is looking for on the vine that he dresses. He reminds us that if we don't walk in this newness of life, in the vine, abiding, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Finally, I want us to turn to union with Christ delighted in. <clears throat> union with Christ delighted in. Here's what I mean by that. 
like a husband and wife delight in one another. You know, I have seen on Facebook, and I have to, I, I don't post a ton of things on Facebook, but I do notice those times when husbands and wives talk up their spouses on Facebook. Like I, there was a couple, I won't name their names, but they're here. They just went on a hunting trip. And you can tell, oh, man, they love one another. They delighted in each other on the trip. And that's awesome, that they would love being together. And it's not just the being together, it's the delighting in one another. So when we think about union with Christ, let's latch on to that one metaphor of husband and wife and how they delight with one another. In fact... I know that a while back, and, and some of you who are Sunday school teachers asked me about this, Brother Shannon, I'm not sure about this, Song of Songs. Okay? Y'all ready for a sermon series on that? Maybe later. <laughs> but if you think about what that describes, it describes the type of intimate love and joy and delight that a man and woman have with one another. And that is what our relationship with Christ is supposed to be, that we just delight in Jesus. I think what 1 Peter 1.8 says, it ought to apply to us. Peter says, though you have not seen him, because he's ascended, though, though you have not seen him, because you have received him by faith and are in union with him, you are in him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with joy. Peter says, I look at you and I see that you delight in being in Christ and with Christ. He is your heavenly husband and and we're in this extended period of, uh, <clears throat> what's that time called before you get married? Engagement. Showing my age. We're in that extended engagement period. But let it not diminish the fact that we look so forward to our wedding day. Being reunited with our Savior. As we close, I want to ask you a few things. This last week, there was a, a conference uh, in Florida. There were a number of men there that were speaking and preaching that I really, really respect. And, and one of them asked this question. And I think it's a good question for us to answer ourselves. And the question that he asked was, um, when all of your friends and family around you apostatize, when they, when they leave the faith, Where will that leave you? <clears throat> the reason I bring that up is because I think we understand uh, that we're not Canada and we're not Australia, but things, I, I pray they don't, but they seem to be moving in an anti-Christian direction. And, and there's a man that, that preached at this conference. His name is James Coates. He was thrown in jail in Canada because he preached when they were trying to lock things down with COVID. He refused to bow to Caesar. So, so he preached. He was thrown in jail. Paul was thrown in jail many times. Let's say that you were in jail 
for your faith, what would keep you from going into deep depression? The reason I ask this is because our union as Christians is not with doctrine. Our union as Christians is not with, and I don't mean this about our church. It, we don't. It's not a social club that we just enjoy being a part of. Our union is not those things, particularly our union is with Christ. And we can miss the forest for the trees. So I bring this up because my prayer for us is that should the day come that we are thrown into jail for our faith and they say, you can't have this Bible and we're going to treat you poorly. The thing that keeps us afloat and even joyous like Paul and Silas able to sing hymns at midnight after being beaten is the fact that we are in Christ. That we enjoy that union with Him. So are you enjoying that union with Him? Do you delight in your Savior, the one who saved you? If not, perhaps we ought to take the time to, to consider, Am I? is there any fruit on my vine, on the branch that, that, that's me? And, and perhaps say, Lord, am I abiding in you? Do I really want to be with you? That might tell us some things that we don't want to hear, but sometimes we need to hear things that we don't want to hear so we take actions we know we need to take. So if that's us today, if that's you today, Lord, Jesus, I'm not abiding in you. Don't let that continue. Don't let that continue. Tell the, the, the Lord today, Lord, I'm going to abide in you. I want to bear fruit for you. I want to delight in you. I want to desire you. Father, we thank you for our Savior, who is our true vine, who is the one through whom any fruit that glorifies you is born. Help us to abide in him, to cherish him, to love him, to delight in him. And Father, if we have just delighted in, in, in other things, draw us back to our true vine. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing The Savior is Waiting. If you need to make a decision today, now is the time. We encourage you to do so as we sing.
save a people for himself. But would you please be seated real quick? Um, I want to let you know, you probably noticed that uh, Taylor came forward this morning saying she would like to talk about being baptized. So um, we're going to have a time later on where uh, we get together and, and talk about that. I, I let her know our baptistry is still in a state of disrepair. We're working on that. Uh, but you're in a line, and I'm happy to say that <laughs> because there's a number of people that uh, I think will be getting baptized in the days to come, uh, and we're hoping to get the baptistry fixed soon. So um, pray for Taylor and her family and uh, the meeting that we'll have at some point, and we look forward to presenting her to the church for baptism and membership in the days to come. Um, Marcia, do you want to give us a quick update on Larry? Okay, looking forward to getting him home next week. Oxygen's getting better, so we thank the Lord for that. Um, you want to give an update on your mom? She's basically the same? She had a cellulitis on her elbow, and it's just causing some problems. And it's causing some complications with being able to, to do treatment. So, Jared, you want to have anything to update on, on less? So Les is about the same. They're going to take a doctor trip tomorrow and hopefully get some, hopefully get some good news. Um, any other updates that we need to make at this time or, or new prayer requests you want to bring to us? I would ask that y'all pray for my school. Okay. We've had four teachers out this last week with COVID. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you only have 12 teachers, that's a third of your population. Yes, so, yes, yes. Um, and then we have two units that are now in quarantine. So. Okay. It's there. We're just praying God's safety for everybody. Amen. Amen. Anyone else before we have time of prayer and we're dismissed? Okay, let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer and we'll say the Great Commission. Father, we do lift up these prayer requests to you. We lift up Les. We lift up Gail. We lift up Larry. We lift up James's school. Lord, each of the concerns are a little different um, in some ways, but we know that you know all the ins and outs of what is going on in each life, and we trust that you're working for your glory. So, Father, we pray uh, for healing in, in each of these areas, that the school will be able to get back to um, full strength and be able to do things as uh, they normally can. Lord, we also are also grateful for Taylor and for her decision, um, for her commitment to follow Christ, and uh, we pray for our baptistry to get fixed soon so that we might enjoy um, seeing um, the obedience of those who you've called to yourself. Uh, Lord, bless us. We thank you for the blessings that you've given us. We say, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.